You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about my growler, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. From the kickoff to the shootout, we're amped up, we're ramped up. For a breakaway from a set play, it's a give and go in the score zone. Hello everybody and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I am your host, Ian Lamerson. With me as always, my friend, my colleague, a man who dared his lot when nobody else would, it's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. <laughs> Don't trust the slot. Don't trust the slot. Um, you know, I think that one of the things we should do today is talk about Slot Ibrahimovic because I am concerned that the league and, and media sources, you know, surrounding the league uh, probably won't hype up this signing enough. It's a concern of mine. I, I think it's really valid. Let's yeah, do I, that. I think we should be the ones that are brave enough to cover the Zlatan Ibrahimovic transaction. Um, and no you know what? We are. As, as this site. Yeah. And you know what? We are. Um, we're going to go ahead and start with that because that is what is on everybody's mind that has dominated uh, the narratives this week, uh, starting today, actually. Um, and, you know, this is one of those things that I. I'm so glad that it's just finally over because I've been sick of this will he or won't he for like three years. Um, and at this point... Is that is that all? Yeah, I, I think it is just three years. I mean, people always sort of had him um, kind of as that, that, that white whale. Um, but in the last three years, you know, there were always very, very steady rumors about um, this is going to be the time he's going to come. LA is going to pull the trigger and get him. Anyway... Uh, there's nothing he could do on the field that will make up for the amount of time I've spent thinking about whether or not Zlatan Ibrahimovic is coming to MLS. So welcome, Lord Zlatan. Um, I'm so glad this is finally over. <laughs> so uh, obviously there have been two kind of main conversations about uh, this signing. Uh, the first one is, does Zlatan Ibrahimovic still have it? Um, second one is a completely different uh, side of things, but it's a no less valid one uh, from the prospect of running a business. Um, and that is, is Zlatan Ibrahimovic the type of guy that is going to um, kind of take some of that limelight away from LAFC, kind of put LA Galaxy back in the spotlight of that city? Um, that is like a big question. And it's not one that I personally like talking about a lot because I don't care about the business side of soccer. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge what a huge part of it it is. Well, I, I, yeah, and to be perfectly honest, I think there's kind of a third aspect, right? Because there's the roster construction, because it's whether, regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not Zlatan really uh, has it or not, and you know, we'll come into that in just a second, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of questions about whether or not, even if he does have it, how he fits into this roster with, you know, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, with uh, Ola Kamara, with, you know, all the different pieces they have, and whether or not that's a good signing in and of itself. Right. Um, and I guess let's start with um, what we do know about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and that is that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is an unusually gifted soccer player, and he has been for a very, very long time. Uh, last season, he was with Manchester United in the Premier League, and I saw him a lot uh, in that sense. And 
despite being, you know, 35 years old, did not once look past it or unable to cope with the, the fitness levels of that league. Um, you know, he's never been this amazingly fast player. Uh, he gets places quickly, uh, but he's always used his strength and his, his um, incredible agility for such a big player, um, you know, to, to, to be the kind of dominant force that he's been. Uh, so I, it's obviously been after an injury. Uh, you know, he went down in, I believe it was April of last year. Um, and since then, uh, you know, he's played about two hours of competitive soccer. So uh, it's still kind of an unknown. Um, you know, he didn't look quite like he did in 2017, but, but also, again, still not bad. Still Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, we can kind of look at what he was able to do in that year that he, he got to play most of it. Uh, he got 17 goals and five assists, and that's just in the league. There were several more in Cups and uh, Europa League. Uh, he managed to, and he, again, he missed uh, the last few months of the season, and he still managed to, to put up 14.84 expected goals and 5.12 expected assists. Uh, that came out to about 0.73 expected goals and assists per 90. And just to kind of put that in context, the players that were ahead of him uh, for the year were Sergio Aguero at 102, Harry Kane at 0.89, uh, Alexis at 0.74, Sec Fabregas at 0.74, uh, and that was it. Then it was Lawton. So obviously he's a quality player. Yeah, uh, so apparently there's like five guys that were better than him pretty much at putting the ball into the net um, in, in some capacity, right? So that's phenomenal, and that's obviously shows that he could play, but already we're talking about two knee surgeries. We're talking mm-hmm. about an extra year of time on that body that's not just a year on the body, but also a year on the body that's kind of been docile i mean i imagine he's still getting around he's still working out in some capacity but you know how well those lungs take how quickly those lungs will recover from actually being able to start doing those types of workouts i don't have all those answers but i think it's a fair question and i think that there's a lot of fans that are that are questioning and i think to a degree it's fair um that being said you know he's going to be a tremendously skilled and gifted player just on the ball. He might not be able to make those runs, but he's intelligent enough to where he's going to pick out players, and he's going to be able to, when he creates shots, um, even in the free kick realm, he's going to be able to make them. Yeah, and it it's not even, and he has been kind of training full-time, um, you know, with Manchester United for a couple months. So, I mean, I think he's, I wouldn't expect, like, straight-up fitness to be an issue for him. Um, you know, rustiness might be more of that thing to deal with. But you're you're looking at a guy that will become immediately, and I say this with all due respect to Kai Kamara, but probably the most dominant aerial forward in the league. Uh, again, just so much strength in that size already. Plus, he can contort his body in strange ways to get balls to go on frame. Um and that's something that's not going to require a lot of, 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 of uh, you know, fitness. Uh, I don't think LA play like a particularly a high energy defense style either. So he won't be really expected to do anything on that end of the ball anyway. Um, I don't think that that's that much of a concern. I, I think the main concern that, that I would have is that are you putting Ola Kamara on the bench? Yeah, or 
you, I, I brought it today uh, up today when we were talking. You know, so Roman uh, Alessandrini is you know on the bench for a little bit. You're going to mm-hmm. have uh, Giovanni dos Santos. That's probably going to go through a couple different ailments, and, and I, I mean that with with no disrespect. He just he's a frequently injured player. He he has a history of hamstring. You know, people and players that have a history of hamstrings, uh, it, it's a chronic issue. Uh, Josie Altador, Oba Femi Martin, it's just something that you have to deal with as a player. And as a coaching staff and as, you know, a physio uh, staff, they, they just have to be able to manage. And that's why teams in the past uh, have been so quick to start looking into that area of data to try to assist them. You know, you, you look at what Toronto's done, what Seattle's done, what some of the other uh, teams, and it's kind of escaping me presently, um, have done with trying to manage that it's going to be a huge part of what la is going to try to do go through so it's nice to have somebody that's instantly an impact player level player that's going to be able to come off the bench whether that's geo whether that's ola whether that's roman or even uh and i think this is a, probably a fair uh, guess at this stage is laton laton's probably going to come off the bench at certain stages um and there's nothing wrong with that you look at robbie Keane, who uh, did not in uh, Drogba who did not want to play on uh, turf. I don't know if that's he's going to have this. I don't know what his what his personal preference is on turf, but I would imagine there's going to be um, at least looking at past players coming over from Europe. There's kind of a predisposition that they don't want to do that extra running on turf, and you know with his past knee situation, that's probably going to come into you know at least what there's. I can think of Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, all have turf. I can't think of whatever what other Western Conference teams, but that's going to come up enough, you know, being in the Western Conference. So I imagine that you're not necessarily putting Ola Kamara directly on the bench, but rather it's going to be some type of system and rotation. And looking back, you know, Siggy has had to deal with personalities in the locker room, has been part of a team that has dealt with that in the past. I know that, you know, directly there's that, uh, there's a lot of uh, rumors and, you know, all sorts of media information that has kind of come out concerning his and Dempsey's relationship. I don't know necessarily uh, how true that was, whether that there is, you know, stuff that is coming out that's a little maybe and probably is a little romanticized. You know, we, we talk about these right. uh, big locker room flare-ups. It's it's often much more trivial than, than what it's made to, to sound. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, I guess minor locker room uh, disagreement does not sell a lot of papers. But but Siggy, I mean, that's what he's there to do is, is to manage those personalities, really. I mean, he you can say that he's, you know, this great tactician. I don't think he is. I think what he is is he's somebody that can deal with players, and and I think that he always has been. I think being a tactician is some something that has kind of been barely been able to get by. I think he's had some good ideas, but being able to really draw in and be fundamental about it, I, I'm not – I don't know that for a fact. I And I'm really worried about – getting into those conversations yeah i mean that's all a lot of hearsay and sort of speculation and i definitely agree with you that it's sort of irresponsible to assume that zlatan ibrahimovic is a locker room nightmare and that uh, sugi schmidt is an authoritarian you know uh, fascist or whatever <laughs> i think it's those two things are probably uh half true and uh, you know they're what they are is they're both professionals and Zlatan has been in a lot of big locker rooms with a lot of big coaches and a lot of other big players, and sometimes it's worked out well for him, and sometimes it hasn't. 
we'll have to see how it goes with Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, obviously, I think with a player like this, it's worth the risk, though. Um, I think probably the last question is one that you brought up, and um, or to say something that you brought up earlier, I, if it's one of those things where, like you said, it, it we might not get 90 minutes of Zlatan every match for the rest of the season. And I would be very surprised if we did. And I don't know what his stance on turf is, if he's going to be as um, strict about that as Drogba was. Uh, but I feel like the Drogba situation really gives us a kind of a decent template to look at sort of what we could probably expect. I think these are similar type players, uh, both very physically um you know, gifted and, and, and strong and, uh, you know, a little bit on the older side for professional soccer players, but both so very good at what they do and, and, and very smart players. Um, you know, Drago was able to come in and score about a game. <laughs> he just didn't play that many games. Uh, but, you know, that got Montreal into the playoffs. Like, I mean, I think that is the kind of thing that you can expect a player like Zlatan Ibrahimovic to be able to come in and do. I think the big question is after discussing all of that is – from a roster construction standpoint, from purely soccer, this is how we're going to build the Los Angeles Galaxy going forward in 2018 and, and maybe even 2019. Um, this took a huge chunk um, out of their spending power going forward. It was not insignificant um, amount at all. Um, and you're going to love this segue here because this is going to take us right in to our interesting stat of the week. I still need to quote with theme music for that, and someday I will. Uh, but this comes from our friend Steve Fenn at Stat Hunting, who sent us this wonderful chart that's been kind of tracking uh, your GAM and TAM since, uh, you know, when these they finally started disclosing these amounts. And so, like, it's kind of been tracking to see who is kind of looking where. Um, and I know you had a really good time kind of going through that. And so uh, where does L.A. stand spending power-wise? Yeah, that's kind of an interesting question because – <sighs> And to go through it all, I mean, what I did was I basically collected any player that was signed this offseason. Very simply, TAM can only be used basically when you're introducing a new player into the roster. Um, either mm -hmm. you're buying a player out of a DP spot or you're bringing a player into the roster and you don't want them to be a DP, so you buy them down. Or, and this is kind of when a player is out of contract and you're re-signing them back onto your staff uh, or onto your roster, you can buy them down with, uh, with TAM. And I'm not quite sure if that's like, uh, for instance, Will Trapp last year um, was re-signed using TAM. I don't necessarily, does that count to 2018 as well as 2017? I, I, I don't really understand all the different dynamics of that. So right. <laughs> underst understand that this is really uh, like my best guess, right? So number yeah. one, all three of the LA, uh, of LA's DPs are utilized. You know, you got the Geo, you have Jonathan Dos Santos, and then you have Roman uh, Alessandrini. Those three are done. So on top of that, you have three known TAM players, and now Zlatan, Perry Kitchen, and Jorgen uh, Shekelvik. So, really, right now, they probably don't have a ton of spending power left. And from looking and comparing to other teams, 
they're around what Atlanta or Portland or TFC are right now that have maxed out and have at least three TAM players. There's probably not a lot there left. That being said, we don't know how much these players got. We don't know how much they were bought down for. Um, mm-hmm. So those are those are things that we're still um, trying to figure out. And like eyeballing it. I mean, just looking at all the players they have on their roster, it definitely seems like they shouldn't have a lot more. This seems like it's pushing um, sort of the max that we've seen invested in a Major League Soccer roster. And I know that even like just pure spend-wise, they're they're not quite anywhere near Toronto still probably. Um, you know, Zlatan coming in relatively cheap uh, for reasons that I, I don't quite understand, but, but a good piece of business there. Um, what well, would you... Yeah. Well, well, just to, to kind of get to that, we, we got to remember, number one, the MLS cap is at $4 million, right? Okay. So that's that's about what you can spend. And then on top of that, teams are being gifted just about on an annual basis, just about $5 million in TAM. Now, it's a little bit less than that, but roughly. So you have 2.8 in TAM that the league gives you. And then on top of that, you have $2.8 million that, the, that you can basically buy if your owner feels frisky enough to do so. So mm-hmm. you're talking about roughly having $9 million to, to build your roster. And that's, that's not even including DPs that you basically get a max contract and get to pay, play above that. So, you know, teams that aren't utilizing their DPs just yet have a little bit more spending power that, you know, that you have to take into account. Uh, you know, teams like Minnesota United, Houston, um, LAFC still doesn't have a third DP, which blew my mind. I for, had totally forgotten that. Um, they have one coming in, I think. I, that's I that's being rumored, right? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, they still went out and got Eduardo Atusta, who, who I'm probably butchering his name, but yeah, I mean, it's Eduardo Atuesta. Atuesta. Um, Atuesta. So, so you, you're talking about two TAM players, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, that they have two DPS. They have so, and on top of that, they have prorated money going back to 2015. Prorated allocate, uh, targeted allocation money going back to 2015. So all, all right. that money that teams have had, such as you know uh, Seattle and um, LA, to sign all these all these players over the last few years that we've kind of that have kind of come and gone and we've forgotten about. Um, they have all that money. LAFC probably in realistically has the greatest amount of spending power still on the board. So, you know, going back to Zlatan Himovic, uh, it's, it, it feels like this is the galaxy trying to tug once more at the, at the rope of relevancy, but LAFC could very well just absolutely come back with, uh, in the summer with, you know, gobs of money and, two extra TAM spots that they could probably fill to take that spotlight back and very easily. I mean, they've already kind of won over um, teams with being the new quote-unquote Atlanta team. I mean, we've seen the, the meme of, you know, uh, you know, the guy looking backwards at, uh, at LAFC. Yeah, and that's that was, kind of what that it's was a, become. That was a good meme. Whoever did that's a very good meme artist. Um, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, that there is... When you talk about spending power, one thing that we don't have a sense of, and, and this is something that you said too, is that, yeah, like looking at kind of what's available roster-wise, you know, Minnesota still technically have more, but 
do Minnesota actually have that much spending power? Because does anybody in Minnesota going to spend any money? Yeah. I mean, that's really hard, right? They, There's they no way have, to yeah, it, It's really hard. It's really hard. And But on the other side of it, you know, looking at this nice graph that, you know, uh, that Steve's put together, you can kind of look at how much money, if they're not going to spend that deep, you know, go for those DPs, what could they, st- what could they realistically kind of go after um, and inside the league if they're going to trade their TAM? Yeah, and I, I think that... Um... They probably tried to do that a little bit. Um, certainly, we've heard you know rumors that they were they were chasing after Nguyen, but I thus far that you know it's not been a lot of moves that they've made uh, to to kind of do that. So I would say that while they have the potential for spending power, if I'm a Minnesota fan, I'm probably not expecting a, a lot of big money to be going out there right now. Uh, they could just be waiting for exactly the right person, and that that's fine too. That's definitely another way to kind of go about things. Um, you know, they they definitely had. Uh, some interest in Benedetti, and, and, and that was going to be actually a pretty big money signing uh, for that team. Uh, obviously, didn't go through. Um, I think Minnesota has a you know one of the harder times in, in the league kind of to kind of sell that market to someone uh, you know from outside of the United States. Uh, but it's an interesting question, and it's good to know that there are there are methods for teams to get back in this if they kind of feel themselves being pulled away. Uh, you know, by the rest of the league. Sure. And, and just a quick look as far as uh, talking about these buyers and sellers, if you will, and, and spending power. Uh, spending power, you know, as we're kind of referencing it, is just having the resources and allocation uh, in your cap and really um, other avenues um, to basically go after a player that maybe a competitor would be wanting maybe a rival you know obviously Mm -hmm. mls is going to be doing that (laughs) in this in this scenario they're going to be making the uh they're going to be doing the contract negotiation right but the the teams have to have that cap space and they have to be the ones that are going uh that are have those funds available to make that those maneuvers and you know we're looking at it right now columbus uh skc montreal uh, are three of the te- top teams uh, in terms of who has available allocation? And considering you know Montreal's you know gone after three different or two different uh, TAM players in the last week, yeah. So you know, kind of I, I feel a little bit bad in the sense that you know these uh, Silva Silva and uh, Camacho have both mm-hmm. kind of flown under the radar in terms of, <laughs> you know, making an impact. The, these right. guys are guys get, that are going to make an impact for this team, uh, yeah. but they're kind of seen. So what's left is Columbus, who they might have all three of their DPs, but all three of their DPs can pretty much be bought down with Tam. And, and they've got a lot of Tam. And they've got a lot of Tam. Yeah. Um, it's Sport, interesting. Sporty's in the same situation, too. Uh, uh, yeah. And I can understand Columbus kind of being another, again, sort of, uh, you know, while everything's still kind of up in the air for them regarding what's going to happen, I, I can see, it, you know, not wanting to commit to, to, to contracts that are, that are going to be really significant over a long period of time. And the team they've got put together already is kind of doing a sufficient job. So, um, you know, I kind of look at the list that, that you may hear. I feel like um, a team like New England's still got someone to throw around probably, uh, but they won't. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia, yeah. same Philly, situation. Yeah. 
the one that really stood out to me and uh, that we know they have a lot of allocation and really they still have an mtdp spot and i can only really honestly find one maybe up to three tam players mm-hmm. um chicago chicago's right. and this is kind of what i feel uh you know we talked about the the lee win situation last week and we've kind of referenced it a couple times but this is really the landing spot and i feel like new england's doing everything they can to try to uh, extract as much uh, Tam as they can from this scenario, and I, I I'm really going to be interested to know whether or not Chicago is going to throw half their Tam at a situation. I don't think they necessarily need. I, I know MLS put them as one of the three teams to be worried about right now, but honestly, I I, I kind of like what they have going on, um, and I'm not too worried. I'm not selling my st- st- Chicago stock yet. No, um, and I think probably New England, uh, you know, when you're in the business in this league, they'd probably rather push him to Montreal, who are less of a, well, I don't know, because they're more of a direct competitor. But it's an interesting question. And, you know, I, I always think that that's an interesting aspect of, of in-league sort of negotiations is that you are accepting money and you're getting something in return, but you never want to be the team uh, that gives up the player that, that comes back to haunt you <laughs> later. Yeah, no, uh, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nothing feels worse than that. So I, I can kind of understand why New England's a little bit gun-shy about this. Um, but, you know, we've discussed this endlessly. We, the, something needs to happen in that situation. Um, another team that I found interesting, uh, when you look at sort of their outlay, um, you've got Colorado, who I feel like are using a lot of their spots, but maybe not very well. Uh, you know, you've got a guy like Gashi, who I, I just don't even know what... What, what, I don't know what's going on with Gashi anymore. He was really good one year, and then like he just sort of disappeared. Um, Tim Howard is a big financial investment, and while he's a very good goalkeeper, there's a reason I think a lot of teams choose not to use um, a money spot like that on them. Um, you know, then you've got guys like Price and Mason and Bully, and like these are still a little bit unknown at this time, uh, but so far have kind of, you know kind of flattered to deceive i guess a little bit um what do you think about the way that they're kind of like structuring these spots is this like a good usage of of the way that of of these available resources i i think early on what they're trying to do is no i i I was going to try to preference it and say i think that the the jury's still out And, and with this new management group um, there's a lot to like about them. I've talked about it previously and some of the interesting hires that they've had in the front office. So uh, I, I'm going to kind of say like the, the move for Enzo Martinez, the, the Jack Price, the Joe Mason, uh, even the Yannick Boley, uh, you, I'm going to hold off on those. I, I think that they're a little bit odd and that's how they're going to spend their money. But, you know, um, I don't have those connections. You know, obviously they have some connections to Wolves and that's something that they're trying to utilize and leverage. I think I'm very uh, curious as far as where Gashi ends at the end of the season because, yeah, I, I don't think that he's been bad by any means. I, I think that he's kind of an interesting guy um, and an interesting attacker. I think he's probably one of the better free kick takers in the league. Um, Tim Howard just seems... I think Tim Howard has passed his prime, and I think they are overpaying for um, what his name once meant, and that's 
really not going to help anybody because of the simple fact that the U.S. didn't qualify for World Cup, and now it's mm-hmm. it's more of a stain than anything. And, yeah. and this is no uh, he doesn't disrespect. Look fit. Yeah, this is no disrespect to Tim Howard, you know, who obviously, if you're going to pay for someone's legacy, like this is a pretty good guy to do it with. Um, but yeah, at the same point, like there's a reason why no one else is utilizing. I think that the designated player spot or having that kind of outlay on a goalkeeper, I, I just, the level of talent between Tim Howard and the backup, um, it's just not, um, you know, it, it, it's not enough to justify that kind of like that price difference. Um, uh, another, another team I think that I, I is just kind of a little bit, I would say scattershot a bit is um, looking at it uh, like Vancouver, I think, has some really interesting DP situations right now that I don't totally have my head around. Um, Breck Shea was not a DP, or was a DP, then he wasn't, but now he is again. I guess Kai is not a DP now? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I was really confused by that, and I kind of tend to think that there might be something incorrectly being reported because yeah. uh, we've seen we saw an MLS statement that said that he wasn't a DP but now all the documentation the league has provided to us is that he is a DP yeah but when Kai Kamara was traded from uh, New England to Vancouver he was a DP and now he suddenly isn't but there hasn't been any explanation for how he was bought down uh, of course the teams can buy down with general allocation money but um they, as far as I'm aware of, and there's been new roster rules. We talked about this before we got started uh, on the podcast, but the 2018 roster rules were released early in, earlier in the month. Um, I don't know if a lot of people had noticed. I hadn't uh, until recently. And so I'm, I'm not seeing anything in the new set of rules that says that they can use Tam to buy that down, but um, it, it's really it's really suspect. It seems like we get one step of transparency and then a whole lot of question marks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're almost there. We've almost um, you know gotten all the way through the looking glass, but 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 not quite, not quite. Uh, so overall, um, I think that, uh, and we're gonna put the graphic that that Steve made. That's really cool. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna put it up uh, alongside this podcast or uh, definitely tweet it out so that you guys can take a look. Uh, thank you very much to Steve uh, Fenn for providing that. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter uh, at StatHunting, and uh, I highly recommend doing so because uh, it's always full of very interesting uh, Tableau skills and, and, and uh, yeah, just very, very attractive ways to look at really cool data. So thank you again, Steve Fenn, uh, for uh, providing us with the interesting stat of the week. Still thinking about putting music there, but I just don't know. Um, he's easily the best uh, best MLS data viz guy out there. Yeah, I don't think there's it's even a competition, and I mean that in two ways. One, he's extremely good at, it, and two, I don't know that anyone else is actually doing it. Uh, oh, I take that. You know what? I said that, and then there's uh, uh, Tut uh, Raman that uh, also is out there. He you know, uh, he has some yeah, they work together graph. a lot too. Yeah, and I think yeah. he he did some work on this graph too, if I remember correctly yes. as well. Uh, Sorry, I want to give proper uh, you know. <laughs> References. Let's give proper credit to everybody, exactly. Um, okay. Now, I have in my notes here that you, Harrison, would like to talk about free kicks. And I can only assume is because you were so wowed by the free kick majesty of Sebastian Javinko 
uh, in the CCL game. Uh, the man has, he's really racking these up at this point in time. Yeah, he is. I mean, it's, uh, I think right now, since 2015, just kind of looking on uh, the nice interactive graph that uh, Matthias and, you know, Kevin give us every every week on uh, AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. Go out there and click click on it. Um, I have him at, uh, up. he had as many as six just in 2017 alone. Um, it's it's absurd um yeah so last year one of the big things that uh, we really kind of shied away from um mostly because I, i don't think we wanted to be disrespectful in the in the conversation but toronto for all the love that was bestowed upon them and rightfully so they're a very good team they just absolutely slaughtered their uh, expected goals that they just performed much they performed above them um, which was really kind of odd especially for a team that um, prides themselves so much within that realm they do such a great job Uh, they have they have a great staff uh, great coaching staff that that has a very uh, fresh mindset um, in today's world that's kind of uh, data centric and then for them to play above it so so much and consistently was really confounding for a lot of people um, from the data side. And I shouldn't say a lot of people. ASA specifically. I know we've had many uh, conversations on this topic. Mainly just true. <laughs> I hey hey don't don't just lump me in with true. <laughs> so we kind of had this conversation and it kind of just recently occurred to me um, with all the, all the different media that's been out there giving him praise about being a consistently amazing free kick taker Mm -hmm. uh, that Toronto might just be allowed. They're increasing their shot total already by allowing him to take so many uh, free kicks but yes. because he's so good at them, they're they're jumping ahead in the game state very easily. Um, mm-hmm. Elliot McKinley, uh, who's on Twitter, uh, I don't remember the Twitter handle, did a lot of with uh, some awesome graphics uh, in regards to expected goals and free kicks and free kicks under 30 yards, and and it's not even close as far as who has taken those the most shots. I mean, if there's a free kick within 30 yards of the goal. Giovinco is going to take it. And I'm really curious to know why more teams aren't doing this. Um, just looking at it, it's it, it's very apparent that this is a strategy that Toronto has employed. They went out, they got Giovinco in 2015, and since then he takes all their free kicks. And it's, I shouldn't say all, there's been a couple occasions where he hasn't. But yeah. if it's under 30 yards, he's going to take a shot. Regardless of how you set your team up, regardless of where you're going to place guys. I mean, we saw it during the playoffs last year uh, mm-hmm. to where uh, New York even had like that player kind of sneak down below. I don't remember who it was. If it was uh, – yeah, I, I don't remember who it was, but kind of snuck in okay. down below. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and it, he still curled it over above him into yeah. that top corner. So it's – a really interesting style tactically to take advantage of and increase your shots uh, 
by, I don't know, uh, and I'm totally guessing, by 20% because you're using your free kicks, all your free kicks, to basically make a direct shot. Um, rather yeah. than say, hey, I'm gonna, we're going to set this player up and try to you know, fabricate something. Yeah. There, I mean, there, there, there have been very, I think we, we actually thought maybe there was a chance that he actually had never crossed a free kick. Uh, but it turns out he has uh, a few. Uh, when I say a few, I mean literally less than 10. <laughs> I mean, it, he shoots from angles that I have never seen any other uh, set piece kind of free kick guy. Uh, try and he doesn't always score but he definitely always confounds your defense you're setting up walls and you know like large four or five person walls um you know in angles you normally wouldn't be expected to do that and that that can leave people marked and just can create havoc you know in the ensuing like kick and, and, and what happens after the play uh yeah i i wonder if and this is one of those things that i don't want to like go too far off on uh but, but we talk a lot about uh, you know finishing skills and whether or not those are valid or things like that. There's definitely a free kick skill. Like there's a, there's a certain art to it, right? Yeah, I not think everybody so. can do what Juvinko does. No, yeah, no, I, I I very much agree with that. And I guess I wonder if like is it just simply that the reason why teams don't try free kicks as often as Toronto is because they don't have Juvinko. That's fair, but I mean, look at uh, all right. So I'll throw out three names, right? Diego okay. Valeri, yeah. Clint Dempsey, okay. Sasha Kleschen. Okay, now Kleschen is the best at those crosses from free kicks. Like I would put him above anybody for that if I had to pick a team just off the top of my head. And he why? Was, why? Why is that a differentiating skill? Well, it's uh, putting it's it's basically putting a ball where you want it to be at regardless of if it's on top of somebody's head or if it's on frame, right? That's true. That's true. I think I'd argue that you have more... Well, I don't know that I would argue that, actually. Because <laughs> <That's laughs> uh, uh, he definitely the, is very precise with it, and that, that the, is true. The one, th- the one thing that I would say, um, and this speaks more to like uh, guys like Clint Dempsey, I don't think necessarily it's just about where you place it, but the velocity at which you launch it at, mm-hmm. I think you have to be able to put, uh, you know, as they say, pace on it. You have to, you have to put it, uh, you know, you have to launch it really good and hard <laughs> yeah. to, to beat that keeper because some of those keepers, especially like you even saw down in Mexico. Um, I don't remember who the keeper was, but you could just see that he had difficulty dealing with it. And Sebastian Javinko, it's not just that he hits it hard. It, there's hardly any spin on it. It's amazing to watch. Like it's like yeah. watching Tim Wakefield when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, try to throw the yeah, just the knuckleball and the butterflying, and that kind of is what it does. And it, it's a special shot. I think it's really uh, nuance what he does. But uh, Diego Valeri, why isn't Diego Valeri? Why does Javinko have five times, literally five times the amount of shots from free kicks that Valeri has? In almost the, almost the 50, 50 minutes, that's the only thing that separates Giovinco from Valeri in playing time is 50 minutes. Wow. Uh, I wonder, like, I think Toronto also probably get fouled a lot more. So, I mean, it does seem like um, this I'll probably get criticized for this by someone, but it does seem like a player like Altidore does find himself getting fouled a lot around those more areas. More so than a Adi? No. <laughs> no, I should mention it. 
<laughs> I just know that that's the same yeah. argument that's used for, for uh, Audi, good right? Point. Good point. Um, I don't know how they're doing it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, I, I, think I, I would definitely agree with you that it's a skill set in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, I was going to say, I don't think you want Carlos Rivas taking it, even though he's in the top 10 for the amount of shots from free kicks since 2015. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, that, yeah. be, that being said, you definitely want somebody with uh, with skill and has the repeatability, right? Like, I don't think Sebastian yeah. Giovinco is a good penalty kick taker. I don't. He has shown that he is much better at free kicks. Fe- Federico Higuain, I think, is the same, right? Well, yeah. uh, here's the deal, right? Mm. The guy's... So, Valeri has two goals on 33 shots versus... Sebastian Giovinco having 13 goals on 131 shots. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like, he's really good because he gets the opportunity. Like, I don't want to mix that to a degree, right? Sebastian Giovinco is very good, but people are just ignoring the volume that he has. There's a ratio there that that needs to be considered. Yeah, I think it's it's ratio is still... You know, a more fav- uh, is more favorable than Valeri's in that case, which is what's even more incredible is that he's maintaining this, you know, conversion rate while having these significantly higher like amounts of going to it, and it it, it, it is something that, that is just it, it's hard to explain, and it's hard to kind of um, well, it's hard to say like this is it's hard to point at this and be like ah this is what separates Toronto from the rest of the pack because it's not there's a lot going on there, but it really really helps. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, if you look since 2015, his X place, which is the difference between our... So we have three different models. If anybody out mm-hmm. there saw, read uh, Drew Olson's uh, piece on our three different models and why we have different models. In fact, we have a fourth one now. Um, yeah. And why we why we utilize those. Um, there's a difference between how we calculate expected goals for keepers versus how we do expected goals for players. Mm-hmm. I, I think we have some, I, I, I'm not in love with how we do expected goals for, for keepers. We're still trying to, you know, fix that. But the difference between what a shooter sees and what a keeper has for expected goals is basically X place. And yeah. that's, I'd be willing to submit that, that's more that's a better indication of quote-unquote finishing and since what 2015 when Giovinco came he has one of the highest x place from free kicks at four at four uh above four goals wow he's very good he's very good i've I've heard that yeah i feel Uh like people keep saying this some people might say he's the most valuable player. Some people might say that. Uh, not not us. We're not saying anything about that yet. Um, not yet. All right. Uh, that's all I have to say about free kicks. I think that, that we've covered that pretty well. Uh, again, if you um, have uh, – we we put Elliot's thing up on the website, didn't we? Uh, he actually is – Elliot is in the process of writing something out. Okay. I am going to echo it with uh, a piece on t- uh, Toronto's uh, – shooting so i'll have more more numbers less uh theory and everything i threw out a lot of theory i don't have for certain that toronto shoots 20 percent more shots from free kick than other team i don't know that i'm gonna Um, check the math on that 
Uh, well, I, I will hopefully have next week an article out uh, that will uh, uh, utilize Elliot. But Elliot has an so, uh, article that he's writing right now uh, in okay. regards so it'll be to out soon. MLS free kicks. So, guys, yes. you know what we're going to tell you to do. Go to the website every day, multiple times a day. Look for these things. They'll be there soon. Um, okay, before we sign off, we had sort of a light weekend uh, in Major League Soccer this past time. Uh, and I don't want to just get bogged down in a huge review here, but I feel like there were a couple of things probably worth discussing. Um, so, uh, you know, we started off this week, and we had a, a little bit of a, I don't know. I was surprised to see this one end scoreless. Philadelphia and Columbus uh, managed to... Uh, uh, kind of play a very, very uh, even game, um, and and no one came out on top. Uh, I wish that there were a lot of interesting things I could say about that match, but nothing comes to mind. Do you have anything? No, they, no, they, it was really, um, I think tactically there's probably some stuff that you go back through, um, and I think coaches will, the two head coaches, Jim Curtin and you know Greg Berhalter, will definitely go back through and learn a lot about what their teams did in those matches, both good and bad. Uh, both teams probably had one or two really good opportunities, uh, but aside from that, it really was uh, kind of forgetful. That said, I do kind of wonder where these teams are going to end up at the end of the season. They're both teams that could uh, that could be in the playoffs. They're both teams that might be on the back end of the playoffs. Yeah, uh, something to keep an eye on. Uh, Orlando City still a bit of a sputtering start uh, to the year. Uh, New York City Football Club beat them two two nothing. Orlando City still. Again, I think we're just we're just seeing the warm up act right now. Like this is just the opening act, and and I think this team will get a lot better. Uh, but right now, um, they've had you know the bad fortune of some injuries and suspensions, and uh, New York City Football Club looks pretty legit this year too. So that was always going to be kind of a tough game. Um, you know, for the two goal value, I, I mean, New York City had an 0.85 expected goals. Uh, Orlando City had an 0.79. So it wasn't as Dominant of a performance, I think, is, is the scoreline would lead you to believe, uh, but but more or less not an unexpected result from this this fixture. I have one question for you. Okay. Are we sure Yoshi Otune is good? I I'm told he is, and um, until I'm told otherwise, I'm going to continue believing it. I I just uh, you look, and I'm I'm not trying to cast disdain upon yeah. uh, a player that obviously has kind of struggled coming out of the gate, but. Looking at our numbers, he doesn't show uh, – the real thing that that was always kind of put in my ear was he's a great passer. Yeah. And so far, I mean, looking at, you know, his passing score, it's negligible um, right now on, yeah. our, on his X passes. So yeah. it, it's just something to watch. Obviously, he's playing a little bit more of an advanced role or mm-hmm. has um, – that probably will change. I would imagine he's probably going to drift a little bit further back as the season goes on and players get healthy. But, uh, I mean, that almost, in a lot of ways, that kind of worries me. Like, if you can't pass in the attacking third, maybe you're not a good passer. That's purely thought, but food for thought. It is something to keep an eye on. Um, And before, you know, Orlando fans get upset, you know, we do acknowledge we do acknowledge your your your, your uh, misfortune uh, in having some of your better signings uh, still uh, try to make their way to the field. So um, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, Atlanta three to one over Vancouver. Uh, Atlanta back at home doing what Atlanta does, uh, getting an early red card in their favor, and after that, you know, it was just kind of going to be a question of how many times they scored. 
uh, the answer was three. <laughs> and, uh, good things from that game, uh, obviously, uh, to see uh, Andrew Carlton, uh, you know, get an assist. Um, and do we want to talk at all about Joseph Martinez or no? Sure. I, I mean, we got a few minutes. Uh, all right. Look, he's he's a dynamic player. His speed mm-hmm. kills. And with that, he just absolutely knows the routes that he needs to take. To yeah. uh, he, If this was the NFL, they'd, they'd call it great route running. He just understands the channels that he needs to find. And look, he keeps being found by Miguel Almiron, who very quietly is elite yeah elite like last year last year i I was okay with you know kind of being like well slow down the brakes a little bit let's pump it just a bit the guy went from and i know he's missed a couple howlers early on uh he's missed a couple uh, the yeah he had a goal against houston that he should have put in uh he should have done another one uh last weekend against vancouver this it, take those out of your mind. The guy has been dynamite in shot creation and uh, creating goals from uh, yeah. from places for Martinez. And he's shooting a lot. Yes, um, he is. I love it. Like a lot more than even when we said, wow, he's shooting a lot last year. He's shooting more than that now. And that is, I think, uh, adding to why Atlanta is so dangerous. Um, just in you know, kind of keep any one of those three. And yeah, uh, between uh, him and uh, Vilaba, it... it if you've got uh, players that can deliver passes like that, a player like Joseph Martinez is going to get on the end of them. Um, yes, he does it a lot uh, on teams that are uh, a man down. Uh, that does happen occasionally. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with being ruthless. Uh, and, and, and and you've got to win every game in front of you. And, and, and goal differential matters. And just get out there. And, uh, you know, no discredit to him whatsoever. Uh, the man continues uh, to defy uh, some of our models, but uh, hopefully we'll get a handle on them soon. You know, one 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 call out real fast. You know, uh, yeah, Joseph Martinez, excellent passer. Just throwing Not that bad. out there. He's he's Not bad. he's yeah, he's definitely an. He doesn't do it often, average. but he he picks good ones. He does. Yeah. All right. Uh, Minnesota United managed to defeat Chicago two to one. The rare goal by Ibsen. Actually, I think his first. Uh, Major League Soccer goal, which is great. He's one of my favorite players. Even it was a nice little toe poke. He doesn't deserve it, probably, but I, I do love him so. Um, great for Minnesota, putting two wins in a row together. Um, you know, this feels like a team that could win MLS Cup. I'm joking, uh, but <laughs> it is nice. It is nice to, to to see Minnesota get some results. Chicago. Uh, I feel like Chicago started their season late and is still a little bit behind. Is that is that insane? No, I, they're they're not the same team that they were. But I, I said it before. I'm not selling in my stock yet, yeah. uh, I, at all. I, I think that this is a really interesting team. They're not as deep as what they were last year, and I don't think right. I thought about that until I started looking through all the signings this year. They mm-hmm. still have uh, some senior roster spots available. I would. Uh, they have one senior spot. I thought they had more. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go and throw some money at at somebody um, towards the. Uh, middle of the season and try to bring on some uh, differentiators that can lean when uh <laughs> yeah but that being said i yeah they're they they're definitely getting a little bit uh out of the gate a little bit slower and from what i understand matt polster is uh injured for a little bit yeah that's gonna be a big problem for them yeah. um but there has also been I, I think some some good good youth performances from them as well so it, it it's 
again, still so early to say. Um, Richard I, Sanchez, man. Yeah, Richard Sanchez. He's become a little bit of uh, keeps popping up in our in our lowered expectation list, which is a really good thing for a keeper to do because <laughs> he's stopping high leverage shots. Um, obviously, you know, still lets some in, but but for a young player, it's good to see. And like I see why you know Chicago had that much faith in him, and and and, and it's great to see that that being repaid. Um, moving on. D.C. United to Houston to Houston on the road. D.C. United really just shot themselves in the foot in this match. Um, Houston never super strong on the road. Uh, but if you're just going to give Houston goals, probably not going to work out well in your favor. Uh, Albert Elise, uh still uh, a very scary player for defenses to kind of come up against. And uh, I've really, really enjoyed watching him this season. Yeah, that being said, I don't think he was really that good. Uh, he had, Like you said, he, the D.C. kind of gave him that goal. And mm-hmm. after that, I felt like he kind of disappeared. Um, I don't know. Maybe that was just uh, the one it's... viewing that I had. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought DC United made some changes and came out to be surprisingly mm-hmm. uh, really good. Uh, yeah. Darren Maddox, uh, the guy has completely turned a corner, and I'm really interested to see if this is going to continue. Not only has yeah. his shot volume I mean, he's always been pretty good about finding good spots, but he does so uh, infrequently. Yeah. Um, well, and I think we've all, we've all known that the, no one's given him a workload like he's getting right now, I think. That's true. Well, and, yes and no, right? Vancouver did a little bit. Yeah, I guess Vancouver did a little bit. But I feel like, I don't know. I think he's rising to an occasion here to be this guy uh, for DC United, and they're a team that needs that guy. So it could be a good match. I'm with you. I'm very, very excited to kind of see where that progresses. Um, you know what the secret to Houston's success is, though? I, I have something, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. You're allowed to say it. I, you say it, and then I'll say it. It's Andrew Wenger. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. Uh, He's looking good, boys. He's looking good out there. Uh, the the underappreciated Andrew Wenger, as always. Uh Okay, moving on for a Canadian derby of sorts. Um, Montreal beat Toronto one nothing. Toronto started the season zero and two. Obviously, doing great things in the Concacaf Champions League, so no one is too too concerned. Uh, but it is a bit of a surprising start, isn't it? Well, I, it is, if only just because they're they they're starting uh, quote unquote normal attackers or they're they're starting eleven right. That being yeah. said, I, you know what? They're playing two games a week for the last two weeks, last three weeks. That's going to catch up with you. Um, I know that this is a rivalry, and players are supposed to get up for that sort of thing. But you know what? They're human. And that being said, I I didn't think they won a one calf Champions League. Yeah, <laughs> you right, exactly. They, it's it's clearly, a, they're it, like ninety percent of their focus right now, and I get it. It's fine. Well, at a certain point, it's kind of a you, – you go from this high of being in Mexico, and then you come back, and you're like, oh, all right, cool. We're going to play this game. I don't want to, like, diminish that rivalry. I think it's a great rivalry. It is. Um, that being said, I don't think they were awful either. They Their expected goal was pretty on, on par with Montreal. I thought watching the game, I thought they got a little unlucky in a couple different uh, situations. And yeah. that being said, I thought Montreal actually played a game plan. I don't think – I feel like they kind of were really shaky in times uh, the last two weeks. And for whatever reason, they just came out with a really solid game plan, knew what they were going to do, executed it pretty well. Vargas, dude, Vargas. There's Vargas. There he is. There he is. 
This is the guy we've been waiting for. Yeah, and like you said, Toronto, this is not even... This is one of the most important games of Montreal season, and this isn't even the most important game of Toronto's week. So, yeah, I, and I think that kind of showed. And I, I know that, you know, it, it, that's a little more of the emotional side of the game, and, and we don't like to talk about that too much, but I think it was kind of apparent in the way the teams were. Um, and, yeah, Vargas, there he is. It's on the score sheet. It's. I, I just I, I just want to call that out because I took a lot of crap uh, one week ago for yes. saying that I thought Vargas, you know, Montreal fans kind of came at me. Like, it was weird. I didn't know that there was more than two. And yeah. all of a sudden, I started ooh, getting – I know, I know. That wasn't nice. That he was apologizes. a shot. He apologizes no, for no, that. We love you, Montreal. No, we love you. Play Dominic Oduro, and we can be good. Um, yeah. Tell Remy Gard to stop sitting him. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on. Salt Lake City uh, managed to defeat the New York Red Bulls one to nothing. Good, great job, Salt Lake City. I don't really have a lot to say about that game. Do you? <laughs> I, well, I mean, it's it's like one guy gets pulled down, and that was the match. Like that was the one moment yeah. in the entire. Like it really wasn't. I don't know, kind of like how we talked about Toronto. And I know Toronto had a lot less travel to do. They went from Toronto to Montreal. New York had to go to RSL. And granted, yeah. RS, you know, Toronto, had, or excuse me, New York had a home game last week. Um, it's still it's still a little bit, you know, hard to, to, to deal with. So I don't know. I, I just give it to the fact that and kind of say New York had a, had a rough run of it. And that's okay. It happens. That's okay. No one's too worried about the New York Red Bulls right now. In fact, the New York Red Bulls are, are very you know, much one of the toasts of Major League Soccer at this moment in time. I think if you really wanted to turn this around, um, I thought RSL was really stunningly uh, disorganized. And for maybe the third week in a row, or second yeah, week, third week, the th- they played the first week. That is week. the third week in a row you've said that. Um, I, I I'm what's going on with Mike Petke? Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of trust in him. I have a lot of stock, and if there was one team that I was looking to possibly find a buyer in, it's RSL stock right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Usually has a more well-drilled team. So I, again, there are new faces kind of sprinkled in there um, early on. I don't know. You know they the, haven't had their they haven't had their snowball yet. Oh, just what they need to get going every year. I, I'm I seriously I they've going they're going to have to step it up because yeah. I mean everybody talks about well the second half first half doesn't matter because you can just play good in the second half see the uh, see the Seattle Sounders and that's the exact and I'm kind of doing a voice here but look last year RSL was the best team in the set was what the, maybe not the best team they were third yeah. in points in the second half of the season yeah. and they didn't oh, make the playoffs playoff caliber. yeah no. Look, you, you, it's great to have these feel-good stories to where, you know, teams can come from behind and, and overcome circumstances of being bad. But as much as there is that feel-good Seattle Sounders, and before the Sounders, L.A. did it, I think, once or twice, you're going to have – these games are going to mean more because teams are tighter. This is a really uh, – it's really hard to differentiate – yeah, where teams are at. And reminder, we thought LAFC was on the outside. Yeah, three weeks now ago. Yeah. So now congratulations. Now you have another team that you're going to have to contend with for the playoffs that beforehand you thought maybe might not be a big deal. 
yeah. the first season. And you're going to be in, like you said, you're right. You're 100% right. It is possible to come back roaring in the second half of a season and take it all the way to Major League Soccer Cup. But, um, you know, it's a lot easier to come back from 20 points than 12. So you got to grab more you can. Agreed. Um, speaking of comeback stories, looks like Seattle's going to need another one. Uh, FC Dallas uh, kind of pummeled them. 3 nothing. Uh, Dempsey obviously sent off uh, late-ish in the first half. Uh, Seattle never really looked like they were a part of that match. Yeah, it was an. It almost was like a hangover from there. They were super angry about losing from Chivas, and yet couldn't care enough to be at that in Dallas. It was really an odd. Um, I got really angry about it. Like even being on Twitter, I shouldn't have even been on Twitter. I was so angry about Dempsey. But kind of looking on the second hand uh, on the 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 second replay, I don't know if that was a red card or not. I, I'm still. I, do you have any comment or opinion on that? No, I do not. Um, yeah. That being said, here's my comment and opinion on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dempsey needs to know that, that he, when you make a motion like that, when you do what he did, you're going to raise eyebrows and you're giving the ref a decision to make. And that ref frequently does not make decisions in your favor. And it was not a smart play. It wasn't necessary. Um, I don't think he, you know, hit him in the in the junk or anything like that necessarily uh but i was not surprised when he got sent off and i will not be surprised uh if it happens again at some point because it's just kind of the the other side of the coin you get with clint dempsey um more concerning you know i think is just how sluggish uh seattle's defense looked and how easy it was to get behind them so many times and i think leardam you know of all the back line probably did the best to kind of you know avail himself of criticism but it, it um some concerns there i think and uh certainly not not to take anything away from fc dallas who were extremely good uh and, and and once again ruthless um you know taking advantage of the opportunity presented itself but um it, it, that was too easy for 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 for, for dallas yeah, before we get like, because I I've I've yeah, there, we could spend a long time talking about Seattle, but Dallas was really good. I thought Mario Diaz was amazing. I thought yeah, he, he started really looking good again. This is some really of the best I've seen him in a while. Yeah, yeah, and with that, you know, uh, I thought that that back line. I know a couple people had kind of mentioned they saw some issues with Dallas, but I thought they kind of stepped up in a couple situations that mm-hmm. um, that you know missing and introducing new pieces into that back line. Um, I thought they that they had some moments. Yeah, they're going to be some shaky uh, starts, especially, you know, over basically overhauling that back line, yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. is essentially what they did. They, they're bringing in three new starters, maybe not three new players into that lineup, but you know, they're yeah. giving you know Jesse Gonzalez the full control over that li- over that back line. You know, mm-hmm. they're anyway. So I I thought it was pretty good. I thought the I thought Dallas in and of itself was was really good. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, our last match of the weekend saw Sporting Kansas City defeat the San Jose Earthquakes 3-2-2. Sporting Kansas City is kind of weird this year. Uh, last year, they were very good at defense, and they didn't score a lot of goals. This year, they're scoring a lot of goals, but not so good on the defense. Uh, I suppose one person could take that perspective, right? I know, um, that person is me. That, that person is you. But, I mean, you... You look at what the their shot. I mean, we said this at the beginning. I said this at the beginning of the season. The type of shots that they take 
are going to just be sporadic. They're going to hit and they're going to be misses. Taking long shots, which is what they predominantly do, you're going to have games where you hit three, four of them, and then you're going to have games where you come up with zero and everybody says, it's finishing. They didn't finish. Well, no, I mean, you could put it to finishing, I suppose, to a degree. There's probably some technical uh, things that you can work out. But then again, you're going to get some looks and you just don't get them. You, yeah. you just don't nail them. And I think right now Kansas City is just on a consistent basis and vice versa. I don't think Kansas City's necessarily been bad at defense. Uh, you know, Jose didn't, uh, San Jose didn't have a ton of expected goals against. Um, right. It's not like there's a huge undercurling um, per se. And, you know, I don't remember the... Uh, uh, the goal scoring uh, rhythm. So I can't really speak to the game states. I don't remember, remember the game states scenarios, but I'd be really interested in seeing what that looked like as well. And I think the best that we can do is kind of sit back and trust that uh, Peter Vermees is, is kind of still instituting. I mean, he's, he's still, he, we talk about Dallas putting in a new back line. He's putting into the most crucial aspect of his team, a brand new midfield. Mm-hmm. So there, there's going to be some ups and downs. I don't think Kansas City is as bad defensively, and I don't think they're as good uh, offensively. Uh, so we disagree, sir. That's fine. Uh, that's <laughs> it, folks. We did it. We discussed all of the Major League Soccer news um, and even got some Zlatan in there too just as a bonus feature for all of you. I hope you're so, so, so thankful. Um Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, As always, I am Ian, uh, my co-host Harrison. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. Uh, Please follow the American Soccer Analysis on Twitter. That is at Analysis Evolved. And please make sure to visit www.americansocceranalysis.com for great articles and insights from Harrison, from Drew, from Elliot, uh, from Kevin, Lots of people, not me generally, but lots of other people. Uh, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Uh, hit us up on Twitter if you've got any questions or comments uh, or anything you want us to talk about next week. Let us know if you find an interesting stat that you want us to break down. Uh, thanks again to Steve Fenn, that's at Stat Hunting for providing this week's, uh, and make sure to go check him out on Twitter. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and enjoy the soccer. Newly unemployed, empty out of bottle. It hopes to fill that void. Now I guess love don't live here no more. I could sell drugs, but that's too cliche. When boss walked in, like here's your vacation. I was thinking like two weeks pay, but I was wrong. Middle finger to management, grab my Cheetos and sandwiches. How the hell I get fired while on my lunch break? My boss said I'd be vanishing. I'd be lacking on etiquette. He gon' need on my ambulance in the worst way. Clear my work from my cubicle, all the papers and pencils. I'm thinking that lentils, the only soup I mess with. Tell me what to go watch without a ring and a necklace. Flying obscenities on the way to the exit. Showing what I made of. Feeling grown, guess I'll go home and play Sega. Street Fighter Vega, find an ad in the paper. Bag produce and traders so I can see the fruits of my labor. Not fire, just don't work here Thanks for the loyalty, security will show you to the door You're not fire, you just don't work here Thanks for
situation uh, Newly unemployed Empty out a bottle uh, In hopes to fill that void Now I guess love don't live here no more I could sell drugs but that's too cliche When boss walked in like here's your vacation I was thinking like two weeks pay But I was wrong Just don't worry 